Hello and welcome to the Q York podcast. It's great to have you with us today and we hope that as you listen, you'll be inspired as we continue on our shared quest together. This podcast is entirely free and yet it's not cheap to put together and wouldn't be possible without the generosity of our supporters. So if you consider yourself a supporter of Q, then please head to qyork.co.uk and hit donate to show your support today because there really is no Q without you. Thank you and enjoy today's message. Hello everybody. To all the dads here, happy Father's Day. We think you're amazing. Love the job you do. Proud of you. Uh, and thank you for choosing to be here on this uh, occasion. Just get this right. And then also, we have a birthday girl. Happy birthday to little Phoebe, who's seven. And uh, making sure everybody knows it with a, a wonderful, perfectly sized badge. Let everybody know it, girl. That's, that's lovely. Um, so, we're going to do things a little bit different uh, tonight. We're going to have a plethora of voices rather than just Anth. Um, because it's Father's Day, we're giving him one off. No, it's, that's not the reason, but he can have it for that, can't he? Um, but I think it's important sometimes to actually get some feedback of what people are picking up in what's been said. Um, over the last 11 weeks, I would have to say we've had some incredible inputs. Yeah. Wonderful things have been said. Um, and I want to just encourage some of you, go online, listen back. We're talking 30 minutes at the most. If you don't want to look at all the videos, 30 minutes and honestly, there are things that will really get into you. Because if we do anything wrong in this place, is that we probably give too much in half an hour. We maybe over, you know, overdo it because I tell you, we've got stuff to say. And when you've got stuff to say, you want to say it. But I will put my hands up and say that maybe that's our weakness and uh, say maybe we should pull it, pull it in a little bit. So anyway, what I would like to say that... Um, if you think that we are doing something good, well then come on, tell somebody. This place ought to be packed and I've heard people say that and I'm not going to go into why it isn't. But if you think there's something great here, will you share it for crying out loud? Just say, well I found something, come and see for yourself. If you don't like it, that's absolutely fine. But at least try it out and uh, we would really think that's great. On the film last week... It was talking about the reason why advertising, why they do what they do is because they believe that they have products and services that will improve people's lives. Now, I'm going to say that we do have that here. I'm proud of who we are and what we are becoming. And um, what is definitely true about this place, when you come in, you're not handed a box in which we tell you here, you either live in that box of your, who you are and neither do we say, that's the box that God has to fit. What we do is not even give you a bigger box that, that some places would hand out. We say, there is no box. And then some people say, well, how can you do that? That's too wide. It's too big. But that's the problem. We have shrunk down at the infinite to that which that we can understand but in doing that, we have, we've made it pitiful. And I'm sorry that we, when I say we, I'm talking about Christianity in general, 
We have made it pitiful and that's what we're about, changing that around. We do not have a pitiful gospel. We have a beautiful gospel and we're doing our best um, to, to, to articulate that the best way we can. And I mean, there's so much we could say about that. But I read something this week, it was this. Re-examine all that you've been told in school or church or in any book and dismiss whatever insults your soul and your very flesh shall be a great poem and have the richest fluency, not only in its words, but in the silent lines of its lips and face and between the lashes of your eyes and in every motion and joint of your body. Whoa. Do you want to be a glorious poem? I hope so. So, we've been shedding those beliefs that have insulted our souls. And I'm quite proud to say that that's the journey we've been on. And sometimes we find it easier to say what faith isn't than what faith is. But I think we're gaining on that. And uh, so we don't make any apologies here for being a rare community of faith who's actually modelling what it means to remove barriers on our way to finding the river, which Jesus said is within us all. And we make no apologies for that. So for the last so many years, longer than I wish to remember, we've been chucking rocks at a dam that's man-made. And some people don't like that because it feels a bit negative and a bit hostile. But what we're about is saying that we don't want to stop anything from uh, getting in the way of people getting the river and finding out for themselves how wonderful it is. So, uh, one thing Jesus said, he said this, he says, have I, to his disciples, he says, have I been with you so long, yet you still do not know me? And I have to say sometimes it's heartbreaking for Anthony because there are people who have been with us in this church for a very long time. But in essence, you still don't know us. Because I'll tell you what, once we understood that there was a dam, we made up our minds that that dam is coming down. And I know that within this place, there are those who are with us who have committed themselves to help us do that so that the river is not... Uh, Stop from getting to everyone and everything. So a couple of things that have stuck out to me this week. My favourite, and I've listened to them all over and over again this week for the last 11 weeks. And it was the one about crossroads to consciousness. And I recognised that all my life I was striving to become spiritual in those things that I was told ought to make me spiritual. But I wasn't very conscious I was, I was sort of sleepwalking. And we don't want a comatose religion or a lifestyle. We want a fully alive one. And, 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 and I'm into that. And, and it really blessed me this week because what I recognise is that what I can measure now in myself, which is not about superiority or anything like that, it's just growth in the sense of I am awake and I can see that which I think he's good and I can see that which I think is bad and I can also think for myself is there another way that's being conscious oh I'm not just on automatic pilot doing what I was handed and thinking 
well, this must be it. See, when you do that, you haven't got a real God at all. You've got an idol because it's what somebody handed you, not one that you came to understand for yourself from your own being. Now, you see, I've said many times that when I found me, I found God. And some of you struggle with that, but that was my experience. And while I ever was lost, or you could put in there unconscious to myself, the only God that I could have or pretend I knew was what was handed to me from somebody else. So, what am I conscious of now? That I've gone from narrow to broad. I've gone from exclusive to inclusive. I've gone from God being out there to God being in here. It's such a paradigm shift. And I just want to put up a, a meme that was really very important to me over these last few weeks. And it's this. The house of faith has many rooms. Um, but you can read it for yourself there. The guy says, but no room for doubt. And he says, oh, plenty on every floor. Doubt is useful because it keeps faith alive. Now that is powerful. I was brought up, there's only one way. And even then, it even got narrower than that, than just Jesus being the way. But it was also, God has a plan for your life. And if you muck that up, you're absolutely lost. Oh, aren't you glad that the house of faith has many, many rooms. And some people don't like that. And that's why they don't like what Q is anymore. There's too many rooms. But we are going to keep offering many rooms. So... Christianity had narrowed and reduced the reach of God and that's because we separated God from ourselves. Humanity had been excluded from the divine dance. We we were wrought out of it. Why? Because somebody had a thought, if we tell them they're not included anymore, we can make a business of telling them how to get back in and we will have that business for life. So you could say, well, why are we still here? Well, yeah, because we keep telling you, you're included in the dance, so just go and live. Be happy, understand you're included. But of course, there are those who don't get it, and so we have to be here to help people know how they have been welcomed in. You don't have to beg for entry. You don't have to do anything to get Uh, in for it, it's just you are included and we're not shrinking that trinity anymore. We're part of it. Like Paul said, it's in Christ we find out who we are and what we are here for. So I just want to finish by saying this. We get one life on this planet and any gospel worthy of the name should make it more beautiful, more fulfilling more exhilarating experience than it would otherwise be. And I just want to read this poem, right? Because we talked about being a wonderful poem. I forget sometimes that I was created for joy. My mind is too busy. My heart is too heavy. For me to remember that I have been called to dance, the sacred dance of life. I was created to smile, to love, to be lifted up and to live, lift others up. Oh, sacred one, untangle my feet from all that ensnares. Free my soul that we might dance and that our dancing might be contagious. 
Oh, come on. And that's what I want you to share. The contagiousness of the, the divine dance that you are not excluded from. Thank you. Fantastic. Hello, hello, hello. Yes, I'm on. That was fantastic, Chris. Um, fortunately, it tied into loads of things that I wanted to say as well, which is brilliant. Um, there was a, there was a quote, no, in a really good way, it really introed it. Um, there was a quote, in fact, before I start, I'm going to set a four and a half minute timer because I don't want to run over time. There we go, we're good. The clock's ticking. Uh, Anth made a quote last week, which, Rob, if you could whack it up, it's the one about kaleidoscope. Um, he talks about how culture is and always has been a kaleidoscope of different people. Is that one? No, I'll flick down a few more. I'll refer to that in a second. Um, Yes, culture is a kaleidoscope of people with different experiences and stories to tell and has been throughout history. Um, it's fascinating. We posted that on Facebook this week. And over the last couple of years, we've been trying to really push stuff online. And it's amazing how we have an audience that is way beyond this room that you can't see. And that's something else I want to tie in as well. A kaleidoscope. You know what a kaleidoscope is? Do you remember having one when you were a kid? You look through it and there's like a whole world in this that you couldn't see before. And suddenly the world that you see looks really different. But we posted this online and someone had a bit of an issue with it. Because they were saying, yeah, but culture clash is a problem, isn't it? Because you get people essentially fighting over their differences. Which the guy has a point. It's kind of true. Um, but the reality I think that we found is you have an option of, if you can flick back to the other one now, Black and white sight, which we talked about dualism. When we see things a certain way, it becomes a fight. And um, that's what's really helped me from a lot of the ministry we've had, is I've seen that a lot of my life has been a fight against, oh, I either believe this or I believe this, and, or I either believe it and I'm saved or I don't and I'm damned, or I'm either for this or I'm against it. And I feel like life is way more complicated and beautiful than that. And look around this room, we are way more complicated and beautiful than that, whether it's your politics or whether it's your spirituality, it is a beautiful thing. I was thinking this morning about how the most valuable commodity in the world at the moment is probably data. Um, and the word there, black and white sight, um, somebody once said, we live by faith and not by sight. And we've been talking a lot about how faith is very different to beliefs. And I was thinking this morning about data because I was thinking Today, we might say we live by faith and not by data, because data is looking at everything that's around us and saying, that's what it is. Um, and I've been quite challenged this week to say, in my life, a lot of the time, we've deconstructed so many beliefs that I think I've kind of thrown faith out of the window sometimes. And I think the challenge for me has been to say, okay, you might see the world a certain way, that is what it is, but faith says, no, I'm going to look beyond that to see something bigger. And I think that's part of what Ant's talked about, the third leg of the stool. Sure, you've got matter and you've got the unknown, but there's this other essence of spirit and faith. And that's what really enables us to have this kaleidoscope community, where if I'm really going to love Jen, it's going to take some forgiveness sometimes. And, and forgiveness requires seeing beyond what you can just see in the data. And if I'm going to trust James, it might take something beyond just seeing everything that's happened in the past and knowing the data. It, it takes seeing into that extra dimension. And I feel like what we are doing here every week is trying to explore that extra dimension and put some tangible nests on it, give us some direction. And it's not just limited to religion either. We look in society generally and you think people 
just fall into this dualism so easily, whether it's like you're either a racist or you're not, and it's like, well, is it more complicated than that? Is there a conversation to be had around that? You're either for these people or you're against them. Well, there's a conversation, there's a whole realm of things that aren't just one or the other, and I think that whole realm of that third dimension of spirit and faith is really what we want. This song is called A Million Colours. There is a line in it, if I can have my beautiful assistant drummer up. Um, there is a line in it that says, look at one another and see the beauty and understand the fight. And I think the fight we have in our lives is not against each other. When we think we're fighting against each other, we have completely missed the point. The fight in our lives is for a fight of faith. It's to be able to look in the mirror and see something beyond what you can just see. To look at your body and be able to see more than just the data and what it says on the scales. To be able to shape some beliefs, not from just the data, but from faith. And I think that's what we're trying to do every week. So enjoy the song. If you know it, sing along. Hello, everyone. So I once read a book by the Danish philosopher called Soren Kierkegaard. I wouldn't recommend it for light reading, but whilst it was a bit of a chew, had some really amazing concepts and insights. My favorite line of the whole book was this, anxiety is the dizziness of freedom. I remember that sticking out to me and thinking, wow. <clears throat> I'll get back to this in a minute. Last week, Ant was speaking about dominoes and used the example of the thousands of dominoes lined up in perfect order, each one representing a habit or belief. We saw what happened in the movie clip when one gets knocked down, resulting in the collapse of that which has taken months, if not years, to establish. I have used the word establish here on purpose. Many of you will have heard the term, the political establishment, or the religious establishment, and I'm sure there are many more. The term is usually used in a context to describe an institution that is so bound by its beliefs, rules, and regulations that it stifles freedom, joy, love, growth, and happiness. Each one of us can also have formed our own establishment in our lives. We become so bound by the habits and beliefs we have created that they rule us sometimes without even realizing. It then made me question, why and how do we get to this point? This brings me back to my original quotation, anxiety is the dizziness of freedom. Most of us prefer the predictable and familiar, even if it's harming us because the thought of tearing it down and being left with nothing can create an immense sense of anxiety. True freedom offers no guaranteed safety or security. I recently watched a film called The Giver. They live in a society that has eliminated all pain, fear, war, and hatred. There is no prejudice, since everyone looks and acts basically the same, and there is very little competition. Everyone is unfailingly polite. The society has also eliminated choice. Everything is planned and organized so that life is as convenient and as pleasant as possible. The dominoes are perfectly in order, held up by an establishment that cares for them. Over time, a young boy in the, in the society realizes they have lost the richness and meaning of life. They have never experienced real suffering, but they can also not appreciate the real joy of life. The story ends with the tippling over of the dominoes. 
The rejection of the established ideals and the willingness to step into the wide open spaces of freedom, embracing the good, the bad, and the ugly, understanding true freedom has to embrace them all as part of the story. True freedom is unpredictable and uncertain, but it opens you up to endless possibilities and hope because true freedom is where true faith resides. This last year and a half has shown me how many of us require safety and security. And whilst these in and of themselves are valid, if the force driving it becomes sorry, if the force driving it becomes, becomes another establishment, we may get safety and security, but just like the giver, at what cost? Let's bring this home then. Welcome to Q, where we are all a bit dizzy. We, ch we have chosen to embrace a Christ consciousness that topples over the dominoes. Let's celebrate that to the highest degree. We are a community that welcomes doubt, fear and worry, and also a community that welcomes joy, celebration and hope. All of these are encouraged and embraced. We value to the utmost the sovereignty of the individual and their journey and all the diversity and thought and contrast that this brings to the table. We will remain a faith-based family that refuses to rebuild the dominoes by way of our established beliefs. Instead, we hold the hand of the bereaved, we cry with the sad, we laugh with the happy, we encourage the doubtful, we inspire the apathetic, we help heal the wounded, and most importantly, we dance. There is a song that I used to sing at school. Dance then wherever you may be. I am the Lord of the dance, said he, and I lead you all wherever you may be, and I lead you all in the dance, said he. Now it's interesting because I used to sing that song at school and think, well, this is very and hate, it's old fashioned. But I can I can understand the words now, it makes sense. And do you know why? You were born to be free, and you were born to dance, and that in itself is glorious. It really is. So for me tonight, wherever you may be, I'm saying tonight, look, I'm so used to it being tonight, this morning, wherever you may be in your journey, allow the dominoes to topple and truly be free, truly dance, because you were born for it. Hi. So when I was about eight or nine years old, I went to um, a birthday party of my friend and we went to feed the ducks. Birthday parties have changed a lot since then. Um, but we went to feed the ducks and we were each given two slices of bread. Nobody gasp, I'm gonna get there. We were given two slices of bread and we went down to this duck pond where I'd been many times before because I had a very varied childhood. And we stood at this duck pond and there was one duck in the middle of the pond. One and about 10 of us. <laughs> it was a big duck, but you know, there was 10 of us and we had essentially had a loaf of bread. Anyway, we, we all stood on the railings and leant over him throwing this bread, and I'm stood next to my best friend, Anna, who is the most pedantic, particular child you have ever met, and is breaking her bread into tiny, small pieces in her hand. And everybody else is lobbing this bread in, and this duck is going wild. It's like, it's like all its birthdays have come at once, and it's eating all this bread, and it's great. And as we finished feeding it, the mum of the girl whose party it was was taking us across the road to go to the pie part, which was nearby. <clears throat> and um, me and Anna were last, because Anna was taking forever. 
So I'd finished mine, and this duck was sitting there now, anxiously waiting for the rest of this bread, because it hadn't had enough of the full loaf it had eaten. And um, Anna's throwing it all in. And just as we turned to leave, the duck flew up onto the fence. And, um, and Anna walked towards this duck, and she was like, it's letting me get close. Now, looking back, I should have said, that's weird. Ducks don't do that. That's really weird. Ducks don't let you get close. But I didn't, because I was nine, and I was like, that's cool. The duck's letting you get close. And it turned its back on Anna. And uh, Anna was like, I think he wants me to stroke its back. Didn't want it to stroke its back. That's not what it was saying by turning its back on her. Um, and as she reached for this duck, the moment in my head now almost plays out in slow motion, that she reached for this giant duck that had just essentially eaten an entire loaf of bread. And it raised its feathers at the back and wiggled its bum. And anybody who knows anything about ducks knows what that means. And it project well, it emptied its entire stomach via its bottom all over Anna's legs, like... From her waist down, she was covered in duck muck, and she was forever known as duck muck from that day. Um, and I have two outstanding memories from that story. The first one is that we went to the park. This girl's parents didn't let us go home. And um, they still, we still had to go to the park, and me and Anna sat on the seesaw, and her legs were covered in flies, like covered in flies. And my second memory is that we got back to the girl's house whose party it was, and there was an exchange student there, and we said, Do you know, she said, what's happened? And we told her what had happened, and she said, you gave the ducks bread and we were like yeah we gave the ducks bread and she was like why did you give ducks bread and as nine-year-olds we all stood there a little bit blankly like she told us to pointed at the mum and the mum went well that's what you give ducks and she went that's not what you give ducks who told you that she said well that's what everybody does everybody gives ducks bread and I was like and I was quite amazed and the girl said to her she said did you never question that when the ducks were doing that and of course, this mum was like, no, and why are you questioning me? You're staying in my house. But that week, I asked everybody I knew, like, do you feed bread to ducks? And everybody said, yeah. And I said, how do you know? And they said, well, because my mum told me, or my friend told me, or my grandma told me, or, or whatever. And, and it stuck in my mind for, for years, that idea that we'd fed, Fred, we'd fed bread to ducks because somebody else had told us and we trusted them. And the other week when Anth was talking and we watched the video clip, which we're going to watch in a minute, um, of the breaking down of the dam, I went away and I was thinking, what is there in my life that I have been told or has been spoken over me that has become a dam and an immovable permanent structure in my life that is stopping the flow of truth into me? And I had a list. Like, there was, there was emotional stuff, there was spiritual stuff, there was physical stuff, there was all sorts of stuff. But the one thing that stood out as the the pinnacle, really, of all the things I'd ever been taught and I'd, I'd taken on and trusted was my idea of Jesus. Like, that was massive for me. And, and in theory, it was great. I'd lived in my Arendelle, safe with this dam of Jesus, with nothing from the outside world able to get in. And it was great and it was fine. But actually, all this time, for at least 20 four years of my life, there had been this flow that I was missing out on, this truth that I was missing out, this, this journey that I could have been part of, that I could have had access to, that I'd missed out on because my idea of Jesus was built on, on deception, it was built on lies, and it was built on more recently ignorance and an unwillingness to say, is this how it should have been? Should we be feeding bread to ducks? Do you know, should Jesus really be doing this? Is that really why he was here? Is that really the purpose of him? And I'd never question it. I'm not a questioner. I'm going to be honest. That's not me. That's not my personality. But do you know what? I have learned that there are some things in my life that have been massive and that they have impacted me and I have never questioned and they have caused me more problems and pain than, than I can even really talk about right now. So I guess for me, what I want to say is that if you have something in your life 
that that has become permanent, something that has been spoken over you, a truth that you have believed for all these years because somebody told you it was there, but actually it's blocking a flow into your life because actually it's been built on lies or deception or just ignorance, then actually maybe it's time to knock some blocks off it. Maybe it's time to, even if it's one at a time, to start to let that flow come in. It's scary and it's letting go of my Jesus has been scary and I'm not telling you that I'm there, but like I, it is, the blocks are coming down and I, I feel like I am being released with some truth in my life that is just phenomenal. And the one other thing I would add to that is my idea of Jesus, just like the bread to the ducks, is all these years I felt like it was me. I was all right. I was safe. I was secure. But I had totally and totally ignored the fact that my idea of him and my concept of him and the narrative I had around him might be affecting other people. That actually it might have been causing them pain and discomfort. But I was fine. I was in my Arendelle bubble. It was all right. I had a saviour dam that was protecting me from the world and forget everybody else. I can feed bread to ducks because I'm not there when they poo all over somebody else. It's fine. Do you know? And actually it isn't fine because if we can consider somebody beyond ourselves and suddenly we might have some more questions to ask. My work in the prison has made me ask a whole load of questions about who Jesus really is and what that really means and that dam has had to come down when the, when the water has been in my boat with my family that dam has had to come down because my ideas were just wrong so if you have that in your life knock some blocks off it, like let some water flow, let that truth come forward because actually it's going to revolutionise your life. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. I'm on evening as well. <laughs> um, the, oh, I've just loved listening to everyone tonight, and I've loved the last few weeks, and it is worth re-listening to it, because it's so good. Is, is, um, am I saying evening again? <sighs> Morning. Um, the concept of that dam coming down is so brilliant, and that has absolutely happened to me, those wrecking balls and those big dominoes hitting my life. But when you're in the middle of it, it's quite horrendous. Um, and I think that that is the tricky bit to navigate, because I loved my swimming pool. I loved all the pictures we have here, and my swimming pool of faith was my absolute safety. I loved it. I loved lapping it. I loved how it felt. I loved how I'd cleaned it. It, made, it was brilliant, um, and I loved it. And then, um, and then I have what I call my steam room. You know, when um, in Smallfoot, there's the mist, and the mist that they switch on is the clouds, and the clouds stop them seeing the cliff edge and stop them seeing the unknown, and their stones are safe. They know what they think, and the steam room is great because then you can just have this. You, you swim in your pool. You do your laps. feels all great. Jesus is my boyfriend, um, and I was that. I mean, I really was that, and I could be really embarrassed about that now, but I was there out of absolute safety at the time because I needed a solution, and that was it. Um, and the steam room of um, the mist for me was the, um, okay, I don't know a lot, but I'm, I, know, I know this. So the idea of that being wrong means my whole entire life is wrong because I haven't just based some of my decisions on it. I've based all of my key decisions in life on that belief. So if that's in question, if I'm not the gong ringer, who am I? That was my absolute experience. And I'll be really honest, I, my, dams were, my dam walls were so high 
And they were my damn walls, I have to say, in every sense of the word. And when they got wrecked in my life, I did not choose that. And um, some of you in here might be in a position where you can choose to bring those walls down. Mine were obliterated without my consent, it felt, at the time. And that experience was really hard. And one of the key things that um, was said in the last 11 weeks is that feeling of abandonment by God was just horrendous. But one of the things that Ant said, and it absolutely thrilled me, we don't get abandoned by God, we get abandoned by our own beliefs. And my goodness me, that was me, because everything I'd believed was just out of the water. Now then what happens is the walls come down, and I'm really glad they came down. But for a little while, you feel like a half-drowned rat, never knowing what you're going to see next, knowing that something's happened to you but not sure what it is. And as Chris said at the start, you can't articulate what's happening to you. You just know your pool's gone, your steam room's gone, and you're drifting. So what we do, we cling. We've heard that. We cling. We try and hold the water, which you can't hold the water. And learning to relax and flow. I mean, I wrote down, this is how I would describe myself. And I wrote it down so you get the full force of this. I'm a controller, a finisher, an overworker, mildly obsessive, a doubter, a pacifier. I fear being misled, being without, and saying no. Um, And that's all true of me. And there's a time where I'd have filtered out all of that so you would see a clean pool. But I don't need to now, because what I've understood is that every week my view of God changes. Every week my view of faith changes. And it's changing because I'm not lapping a pool. I'm in a river. I don't even know what I'm going to think an hour from now, a week from now, or a year from now. But I can honestly say that this can turn out to be whatever it turns out to be. I'm prepared to be wrong about everything. I just want to go with the flow and learn and, and grow. That rhymed and that was accidental. Um, so it can be whatever it turns out to be. And the reason why I know possibly for the first time in my life that I'm in faith, not belief, is because I know so very little and don't care. I just... I'm glad to be in the story, and I'm glad that I don't need to cling on to anything, even though, as Joel said, I'm anxious. (laughs) I'm anxious, but I'm also okay, because I would rather be awake and anxious than lapping my pool. And that is what this journey has done for me. That is what Q does for me. And I promise you, if your walls are being wrecked, seemingly without your consent, it's going to be great. Just get through the drowned rat bit because you're going to be fine. Okay. Morning, everybody. (laughs) I got that right. How's that? (laughs) Hey, what a great clip. I love this these clips on this particular movie. Uh, It really did uh, stand out to me because I am a redundant gong ringer. I want to tell you that for a long, long time in my life, I used to ring a gong because I was told to ring a gong, because I was conditioned to ring a gong, and for years, I never questioned any stones. The stones that were given to me by my family, my father, my father's father, my father's father, way back then, I mean, I come from a family of, oh, preachers, Welsh revivalists, all this, but those stones that I was given, I'm not saying they were all 
bad. There were some great things in there. But there's certain things that I believed that unless I rung the gong, the sun would not shine on my life. And I want to say that I've come to realize whatever I do, the sun is shining on my life. However, I don't have to do things to make the sunshine because God's love, God's faithfulness shines on me every single day. And I want to say that I've accepted that, but the stones in my life I have questioned. And like on the film, when that, like Joel said, when the anxiousness comes up about questioning the stone, we were taught, push it down push it down. But the fact is, we should not push that down. Because anxious and freedom, you know, if we want the freedom, we have to grasp both. And uh, I just want to encourage you, if there's some things in your life that you don't want to face, you should. Because it's important that you are happy in yourself, you're relaxed, you know who you are, you know that every time, every morning, whether you ring the gong or not, the sun is going to rise. So that's what I want to leave with you today. Just don't worry. God's big enough to um, shine on your life. I think it's been amazing. I've been thrilled by it all, and I hope you have. Um, and it, it, the opportunity's there. We haven't done Q without you for quite a while, but that's because we are not going to force anybody to do anything. We want you to bring something of your own heart and mind, but it's always there, that spot open all the time. Um, but let me just encourage you that, you know, we are not going to stop throwing rocks at the dam and neither are we going to rebuild it. You know, because people say, oh, well, you've gone through a deconstruction. What are you now building? And we say, ah, actually, that's where the problem comes. Because like Joel was saying about the institution, all you do is you build another one that's slightly different shape, but it's still as, as binding and, and still taking away the freedom. So if sometimes you don't know uh, what we now stand for or what we believe, just keep in your mind that... If it stops the river getting to you, we will break it down. <laughs> and uh, something else is important that we've said a few times before. Whatever is not of love's kind, we will challenge. And things that are not embraced in what you would call the, the, the divine dance of the Trinity, where everybody is included, if that's the sort of thing that's been promoted, we'll we'll throw a rock at that too. So we're into the humanity is included. That just gets me. Humanity is included. And I hate the fact that anybody ever tried to say that it wasn't. And that's what we're about. So we hope you've enjoyed uh, today and thank everybody for participating. And uh, now we're doing something for Maggie. She asked for this song. So we're going to finish with this and uh, wish you all a wonderful day. And I won't say... What is it? Good night. <laughs> God bless. <laughs>
they laugh at me for that because one, one service we had when we sung the song, I just said, thank you, good night. And I walked off. They remind me of that all the time. Thank you, good night. And a bow. Apparently I bowed. I'm stupid. Anyway, let's take this away. It's a great song. And, uh, but I was listening to something the other day saying how they put theology into their music and their songs. And I think, heck, I couldn't do that if I tried nowadays, you know. But this is about as theological as I can get. Will that be okay for you? This is an anthem, and I do believe this, and it's my heart, and this is what I'm trying to be. So let's take it away. Thanks for listening to another Q York podcast. If you've been inspired by what you've heard today, then why not email us at info at qyork.co.uk and let us know who you are and where you're listening from. We love that you're listening to us, and we'd love to hear from you too. Did you know you can also watch all of the talks from Q on our YouTube channel? Just go to youtube.com forward slash Q Church York. We look forward to having you with us again soon. Until then, enjoy the quest.